Hello and welcome back to Pursuing the Cornerstone, uh, season two, episode four, take two. Because I yes, stopped. You stopped recording. Rule number one is you never stop recording. <laughs> Even sorry. though I said stop recording, never yeah, stop you recording. told me to stop recording. You seem very serious, so I stopped. Well, recording. well, you know, you know those movies where they're like, where they're like in the room and they're like, don't come unless you hear a certain knock or whatever. Don't enter my room no matter what. Actually, was that a dictator or something that said that? I think Stalin I've had never that rule. Seen that movie. No, I don't think it's a movie. I think it was like real. Like Stalin had this like rule that no one was allowed in his room no matter what. So he like acted like he was getting beat up one time, and then he like someone came in and then ended up killing the guy for coming in his room because he broke the rule. That's why you shouldn't be a dictator. So are you comparing yourself are, to a dictator? Are you comparing no. yourself? To a <laughs> no. I think Just that was saying. a very poor analogy, Robert. It wasn't an analogy. I'm trying to reflect on one of the books. I, I don't read. know. You used to be that way, though. Do you remember how you had the biggest room in the house for some reason, and Abigail and I shared, and we'd try to go into your room, and you'd freak out? Well, because well, remember, he had the air conditioning unit, and we had the air conditioning, and he would shut his door so none of the air conditioning air could come into our room. So I we kid you not. I kid you not, people. Like there would be dew on my stuff I believe it. when I would walk in there because I'd Freaking turn it down all the way. Our room. Yeah, Cecilia and, and I were just in there dying. And since dad was gone half the time at work, I was able to pull it off because mom, you know, me and mom have a special relationship. So Yeah, it's called you get away with whatever you want to do. <laughs> How you would purposely yeah. make her late to work like every day and then you'd like, she'd try to chase you around the house sometimes and you'd just <laughs> run away. <laughs> I'm uh I'm good at what I do. I called her this morning though, so you know. And she's coming to see me tomorrow. Actually, I haven't seen her in like a month, so I'm gonna get some Heather time tomorrow at the creek. So, anyways, I've had a very interesting morning. Abigail just woke up like ten minutes ago. That is not true. So, I have been up. I was just showering. Thank you very uh, much. Why do you? Sh- okay, never mind. Cecilia's been up forever. I've been up forever because I went to bed at seven o'clock last night because I was so tired. But Anyways, I decide I'm going to go for a run this morning because I didn't run as far as I wanted to yesterday. So I was like, I'm going to go run a little bit. It'll be a good time in the Lord to think about what I'm going to say on this podcast. So I, uh, it's cold this morning. So I had my hat, my hat and gloves were in my truck because I ran yesterday morning. So I went to get my hat and gloves out of my truck. So I walk out the back door of my dorm, get the stuff out and come back and swipe my card at the back door. Well, the door was jammed, which happens sometimes here because I live in like the nicest dorm, but it still doesn't work all the time. So the door was jammed. So I had to walk to the front and I walked in the front and swiped my card, got in just fine. Well, then I decide, you know, I'm going to go for my run. So I go for my run, have great time in the Lord, good time thinking about what to say on this podcast. And God gave me a lot of things to say. And I'm like, okay, I'm done. I got my points, my talking points written down again. This is not going to ruin this time. And I'm like, I'm going to go get back into my door. <laughs> I'm just smarter than you. I didn't do any such last week, and I still connected hey, all of the same things hey, that you did. Hey, God was working. Not a theo- I'm not a Bible scholar like you. I didn't go to Bible college. I'm just a Jesus lover. So anyways, I'm a Bible scholar. Yeah. I uh, walked to the front of my dorm this time to get in because I knew the back door was already broken, and I swiped my card. And I had my music up so loud I like couldn't realize, so like it didn't open. I was like, well, that's weird. So then I swipe again, and 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 it won't open no matter what. So I swiped for about five minutes on the front door. And I'm like, I'm going to go try the back door again. So then I walk around to the back and swipe my card about five times. And on the fifth try on the back door, it unlocks, but it won't open because it's jammed. And I'm like, well, this is unfortunate. <laughs> so I'm like, what do I do now? So then I walk back 
into the front door and I'm like, I'll just keep swiping. So I stand there and swipe for another 10 minutes. And then about the millionth time it opens magically. And I'm like, wow. You know what that teaches us, Robert? Go ahead, Abigail. Let's let's hear this connection. It reminds me of Matthew 7 when in verse 8 or verse 7 and 8, it's um, the Sermon on the Mount. And it said, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and who, who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. But just because God may answer our prayers and it may be opened, that doesn't mean we're not going to have to wait. And that's what I thought of when you were thinking this morning, because that's one thing I've noticed in my life, that I'm having to be more patient in my prayers, because just because I'm praying for it doesn't mean that God is just going to. What was very unfortunate was it was like, it was like seven o'clock in the morning. And it turns out on a college campus, there's very few people awake at seven o'clock in the morning. So I would have been stuck out there for probably another hour or two. So it was exciting. Hey, sometimes yes, that makes us wait in our suffering too. That was, I wasn't suffering. I was enjoying myself. There was some Maverick City in my ears and <laughs> I was enjoying my time in the Lord. So, okay. Well, anyways, now that you've heard Robert's struggles this morning, um, not struggles, sorry, dilemmas, enjoyment a, of it was, Maverick City. it was a dilemma, not okay, a struggle. Dilemma, sorry. Thank you. Um, this week, as I was driving to my new um, education placement, which is about 30 minutes from campus, I drove past that a is. ton of churches. And as I was driving past these churches, I mean, everyone knows like the corny church signs that say something either like inspirational or funny or informational. Um, and the one I drove past, just the only thing it said was prayer works, period. Um, and I just started to think. <laughs> and I was like, sorry. That's not funny. We are, we are the church. We are the, we, we are the, we are the church out in the world. Um, and I just started to wonder, like, do our quote unquote church signs match what's going on on the inside? So one thing I have been struggling with this week is I've really felt like the Lord has been working in my heart and working in my life. And yet I don't think my closest friends, even though like, the kind of the transformation that's been taking place in my life. And it really got me wondering this week and kind of struggling through, like, I know the Lord is working in my heart. Why is this not being super reflective in my life outside? And so I would say that the work that's being done on the inside doesn't necessarily match my sign that is informing people what my life is about, what time, you know, what time my service is at, what time what I believe, like, I don't know that my, my sign is matching what the Lord is doing in my heart. And so I just wanted to propose that to Cecilia and Robert and kind of see what they had to say, because I know that's something that a lot of people struggle with is it's really easy to follow God when it's just you and God, but it gets hard when you go out into the world where there's more temptation and more struggle and more hard times, I guess. Any thoughts? You know what's cool? Is that God used to reside in this this holy place in the temple that only certain people could go to. Which just kind of reflects. But now what's cool is that God is in you. Like the Holy Spirit is in you. So when you say the church, we are the church as in you are the church. As in not necessarily even like a church building. You know what I'm saying? Because a Mm -hmm. lot of people have the misconception that God is only in church buildings. Like I remember... This is random, but I remember the church we grew up in. There was like rules about the sanctuary. Like 
which, you know, respect is one thing, but like you weren't allowed to eat in the sanctuary or whatever. You remember that? Or people would get mad about that because they had the misconception that there was like something holy going on in this crappy building in the middle yeah. of the backwoods of Owen County. But in reality, the, it was what's important is you are the temple now. And like in Acts 7, um, Stephen, which if you haven't read Acts 7, it's crazy because Stephen goes through the prophets and basically the plan of God and gets stoned for it. And in verse 48, he says, however, the most high does not dwell in houses made by human hands, as the prophet says. It says, heaven is my throne and the earth is the footstool of my feet. What kind of house will you build, build for me, says the Lord? Or what place is there for my, for my repose? Was it not, not my hand which made all these things? And then he goes on and says, you men are stiff-necked and uncircumcised in the heart, and your, your ears are always resisting the Holy Spirit. So anyways, he got stoned for the fact that he was saying, God does not dwell in these holy places. He dwells in us. Yeah. And that's and that's and that's what's cool. So that you have there, your outward sign, what your sign says, needs to reflect the fact that you have that Holy Spirit inside of you, and God is working in your life. Yeah. Um, I've been reading through Exodus where it talks about the construction of like the altar and the construction of the Ark of the Covenant, and then it talks about like because at that time Robert's right, like it was only the high priests who could enter in and there was really no way <clears throat> sorry there was really no way for the israelites themselves to come to know god like in that place um but then we read in hebrews 10 19 through 20 therefore brethren since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of jesus by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh we read that jesus tore that veil that once prevented us prevented the israelites from being with God and now because of his bloodshed we can now partake in that and it's as a result of that of like Robert was saying the spirit being in us that we can now go out into the world and be that same kind of reflection um but that's something that I've always really struggled with is like the disconnect between what God's doing in my life and the way that I'm showing others what God is doing in my life Matthew twenty seven fifty one and going on about that veil. What's crazy is that when Jesus was crucified and he died, that thing literally tore, like physically tore. Well, and it tore from the it tore from the um, the bottom down, not from the bottom up. So it, it's it's kind of like like to me, like if you were gonna go, like if I was to go into the temple, which you wouldn't be able to tear this with your hands, but if you tear it, it's gonna tear from the bottom to the top, right? But it tore from the top to the bottom because only God could have. I mean, that, the veil was really tall too, so. Just imagine that image that Jesus opened up the possibility for God to reside in you. And that's what we're talking about now. So now now you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, but are is your life reflecting the spirit being in you? Is is that the is that the gist, Abigail? Is that the yeah, that's the gist. five second summary? Okay. That's the gist, yeah. So here's so go. I was gonna say, so when I think about this, the first thing that came to my head is the the fruit of the spirit in Galatians six twenty two to twenty three? But it says, that, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such thing, there is no law. So a lot of the time when we teach the fruit of the spirit, we teach it like goodness is an apple and joy is the grapes, and like each one is like a different type of fruit. But I think really what it is is that it's all one fruit, and so we need to embody all of those things, and so. At different times, just like when like a fruit grows, you know, like the root grows first, or if it's like a tree, the tree has to grow first, and then the tree bears the fruit kind of thing. There's this whole process, and 
there's probably going to be areas of the fruit that maybe aren't quite as good in your life as, as other pieces. And so just developing that. And even as I was thinking, like you're talking about God working in your heart, but you, it's maybe not coming out on the inside yet. And I think that does take time sometimes, like you're really letting God transform your heart. And eventually that means you'll transform your life. But sometimes, you know, you have to really internalize that. And sometimes the changes that God's calling you to are really hard. And so even like you might, one day people might recognize like, wow, she's being a lot more patient with me lately, but that doesn't mean that something's not going to happen that you're going to get angry and upset and your patience isn't, you know, going to be tested kind of thing. And you're just, it's a continual growth and a continual, like, and I know this week, like I've had some times where there was just, I was struggling with some stuff in my own head. And so was I as Christ-like or was I really growing in the ways that I knew God was calling me to as well as I should have been? Probably not. But we learn from that. I mean, and we crucify the self, the old self every day so that we can rise again to the new self and, and try again. And that's yeah. encouraging, I think. That you was, gotta keep yeah. swiping the card, Abigail. <laughs> I guess so. That's such a good analogy. It just no, kept blinking one green light at me. It wouldn't give me two, but eventually, eventually, God's gonna give you two lights, and that door is gonna magically open. I think that's encouraging, though. So I appreciate that you said that because I think a lot of times in my life, I mean, you've kind of walked with me through a lot of stuff that I've like struggled through. Like when I'm struggling with faith, I usually give you a call, and it's usually about how I feel like my quote unquote performance isn't good enough for like God or like the fact that I'm, or I was always like, how am I still struggling with anxiety if I trust God? And I think you're right. I think I'm expecting change to take place as if it's like drawn on with a pencil, but like it takes, it takes time to like build up those blocks, to build up that foundation, to build up these things in my life so that they start to reflect. And I think it can be discouraging as a Christian when you hear the way you're supposed to live and then you realize you're not doing that. But it's not just like the snap of your fingers that that makes that happen. So I think that that's a really great point. Yeah, Robert. So all this stuff, I well went on my run today because I kind of had Abigail send a text earlier in the week about this, and this I mean that's what I was thinking about the whole time. This was on my heart, and I think it really came back to, to me. It's all about priority. So where where your priorities lay. So I'm gonna read Luke eighteen, eighteen through uh, twenty four, twenty five, and then we'll just kind of hit some points if that's okay and go from there. If that sounds all right. All right. Luke 18, the rich young ruler, a ruler questioned him saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit, inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know, the commandments do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you possess and distribute it to the poor. And you shall have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. And when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. And Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. So you got to ask the question, where did this man's priorities lay? Because he turned down an opportunity to follow Jesus because he was rich and he had great wealth. Because whatever you prioritize in your life, that's where you're going to see growth. And everyone knows that I spend a ton of time in the gym and there's those people in the gym who only prioritize their arms or their chest or their upper body. But then it's very obvious that they've been prioritizing those aspects of their life. And that's the only places that have been, that have grow and every, everything else is lacking. Like they might have the smallest legs in the world because they prioritized just that part. So you got to ask, ask the question, where are you, what are you prioritizing? Yeah. 
I think, well, and going along with that, Robert, like, sorry, I feel like you bring the scripture and I just try to bring the personal reference, but like, no, that's fine. Um, it's so what you prioritize, you're going to spend your time on Correct. probably a good deal of time on. And Correct. so like for me recently, that priority has been prayer and trying to learn what it means to pray and really trust God in prayer. And this is kind of a, a sad, but kind of funny story from the week. So like on two, Monday, on Monday, I was getting ready for the morning and I've told you guys before, like I had this list of prayers that I like try to circle every day that I'm going to like pray through. Some are super futuristic, some are more immediate. And one of the ones that I've been praying about is to be fully healed from my anxiety that I have. And that morning, I kid you not, I woke up and I was sitting there and I was looking at those prayer requests and I was like, in my mind, I was like, I don't need to pray about the anxiety because I'm not struggling with that right now. I went about the rest of my day and that was the most anxious I have been in probably two months. Like, and I just came back that night and I was like, all right, God, I tried to do it on my own for one day and it's not going to work. And so I'm going to have to still rely on you. And so it really is like, if you start to not prioritize something in your life, then that's going to reflect. And that's a different example, but that, I mean, that's so true. But if it's not your priority, then that's not what you're going to reflect either. Well, I always think about my life and I'm very sinful and screwed up, but thank you. Thank you, Grace, God. But working out to me used to be the stuff. Like I prioritized it over everything and it was extremely obvious because I wouldn't eat certain foods. I wouldn't relax. Like we would go to Cecilia's house and we might have like pizza. Well, I would make mom order me a salad instead of the pizza. Like it was, it was so selfish and it was so obvious where my priorities laid like in my life. And it not only affected just that aspect of like my health, but then it goes on to affect, you know, your mental health. Like it affects all aspects. It affected all aspects of my life because then I was, you know, emotionally I was going to be, I became anxious about things because I was like, Oh, I, I haven't lifted today or I haven't worked out today or I uh, didn't do as much weight today or I didn't run as fast as I needed to. And it, that, and it affect all aspects of my life. And it was just this continual avalanche of just issues that arose for me having my priorities wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just crazy how it, it can just take over your life. But here's what's cool. Here's what's awesome. If you prioritize one thing in your life, everything else will fall into place and be added to you. And you can see this in Matthew 6, 33. This is in a little section here about anxiety where you read all the stuff about like the birds, the air, and how, why should we worry if God provides for the birds? But in verse 33, it says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So do do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble its own. So if we seek first Jesus and, and pursue him, all these other things that we think are important to us or um, things that we some reason add value to that truly aren't that value, but we as humans and our, in our flesh, like, Oh, this, all our needs will be met with Jesus. And that's, what's cool. It's another like gym references. Like there's certain exercises in the gym that work your entire body that people skip. Like, you know, I can go in there and isolate muscles or I can go in there and deadlift and hit pretty much my entire body. And that's Jesus is, is the deadlift of, of life here like you hit jesus he will add everything else you need and i think on that note not to be a debbie downer or whatever but realistically like yes jesus is going to give you what he what you need but that doesn't mean he's going to give you more than you need necessarily or as much as you Mm -hmm. think you need and i think that's something that i struggle with because 
we live pretty simply and I have a college degree from a Bible college and I don't have a fancy career. Vision seven. And, you know, I'm staying home with Nathaniel a lot. And I feel like I'm capable of doing so much more for the kingdom and just in general. And the world would look at me and say, wow, what has she really accomplished with her life? And what is she doing? Like, she's smart enough to, you know, have a career and do things and or to make more money or, you know, but Jesus has called me to something different. And it's something that the world doesn't understand. And it's something that I often struggle with because, you know, sometimes it would be easier to make some more money or to, you know, do whatever the world expects me to do. But when God has called you to ministry, then that's what you have. Like, I don't know. I guess it's just, even when you feel like you're not adequate enough to meet the world standards, maybe it's because you're actually doing what Jesus has called you to do. And what what I'm trying to say, I guess, is, is that is sometimes harder than if you were to just go out and do what the world expects you to do, because you don't fit in and we should be very countercultural, but sometimes that can be hard. Be in the world, not of the world. Yeah. Uh, let me read this real fast. I've been building. I know you have something. I can tell you have something to say. Uh, Luke twelve thirty three. Well, thirty three through thirty four says, "Sell your possessions and give it to charity. Make yourselves money belts, which do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, which no thief comes near nor moth destroys." And then here's verse thirty four. This is powerful. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Yeah. Mhm. <laughs> I don't know. I just. Like Cecilia was saying, like, I think the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because it's an area that I have found super discouraging, and I know it's not an easy area. Like Cecilia saying, like, when you're in the world and you feel like you're being called to something different, it can be so discouraging when you find yourself slipping back or you find yourself feeling as though you're not worthy of this or that because you're you're pursuing a different call and I think that's something that like when we start to Robert like Robert was saying when we start to prioritize different things in our lives then our goals are going to become a lot different and so like Robert could probably attest to this with lifting but like when he started to prioritize different things besides just lifting his goals in lifting became different would that be fair to say Robert and so I think no exactly like it's no longer my entire life like like we do this podcast at eight thirty in the morning, and so I can't go to the gym before this. And three years ago, that would have drove me crazy because everything had to be. But now it's like, who cares? I'm gonna live forever through Jesus, you know. Like, so. On. Well, I guess let's just talk about it for a second. So we're saying like, we need to change our priorities, right? And we need to look to answer the call that God has on our lives. What do you guys think is like the most practical, maybe like first step in looking to change your priorities if your priorities have been in the wrong place? What would you guys say has been maybe something that you've done in your life or that even scripture tells us since Robert's hard in the word right now? Well, the problem is I know what I want to say, but I don't have scripture to back it up yet. So <laughs> say it. We could probably find something. Sometimes I can. I, I, well, I was listening to um, a secular podcast about leadership in the military, and um, they had a believer, a uh, Navy SEAL, who, who had strong faith, and he was talking about his faith. And the the guy hosting the podcast kind of took it out of the faith side and was like, how does this apply to non-believers or whatever? And he was like, the thing about 
your relationship with God is you humble yourself before a higher power. And that's, you have to have that humility was what he said. And I think that's a big thing too, is you, you have right. to humble yourself before God and realize that it's kind of like that realization of like Abigail's prayer. Um, she realized she couldn't do th- anything on her own. And, that, and that's it. once you humble yourself to that fact that you realize that you're not, you're not control and you accept that fact, that's, that's when those, the priorities become clear. You, mm. you start to realize what's truly important in life. Yeah. Um, no, got, before no, Cecilia goes, I'm going to play off of Robert's real fast, but uh, we went to, we went and judged a science fair this week. Um, and there's a, it was in a public school and there's a teacher who, who spoke to us and she's talking about how she, she's a science teacher. She's like, I openly talk about God in my classroom, but it's only because I can do this because our community backs us up. But anyways, before she was telling us that, she, she was saying that the, the thing that we need to learn as teachers, and I think this applies to every profession, every person, is the sooner you can learn to turn things over to God, the better things are going to go. Because like if you look at teaching as a profession, it has a high burnout rate and a high um, overturn rate. And she said, the first thing that I wish I would have learned is that I can't control anything and I have to turn it all over to God. And so I kind of carried that motto throughout the week. And I went into my first jump placement, which is like our junior placements. Um, and you go twice a week all day. And it was a pretty horrible experience. But somehow I was still pretty at peace about it because I think I'm finally starting to learn that like, if I can turn things over to God and truly trust that he can work things out then my whole life is going to be drastically different. And obviously you can't just come to that conclusion right away. But the reason why I've been able to come to that is through like this podcast, having conversations with you guys um, through prayer has been huge in my life recently. Like just consciously choosing to like wake up 30 minutes earlier to spend more time in prayer and to read my Bible longer and like truly get to know who God is, I think has been huge. And, and now me being able to sort of say like god you're in control you can you can take it from here so we've talked about control a lot and that (laughs) is something i if i could be i am a major control freak but also just i like to be in control of what's going on around me and if things start to kind of spiral out of control and i don't feel that way then it doesn't always go super well so best example i have and i guess it's kind of similar to robert's too is when i was a freshman in college I was six hours from home and there was just a lot changing and I felt very out of control. And so I, I started controlling what I ate and being very, I was anorexic. I had an eating disorder for sure. And I lost a lot of weight and I was down to like 110 pounds. And by the end of the year, I was running all the time and playing basketball. And I got really, really sick because I was because I was so out, like, I felt like my life was so out of control and I couldn't control the things I mm. found something I could control. And that made me really sick. And it was, it didn't turn out to be a great thing. But I think, I think that following Jesus and setting your priorities straight, it, it changes with, with the season in life that you're in, but also like God just takes the different things that go on through your life and the different experiences that you that you have. And he uses those to transform you and to push you and to point you in the direction that he, he wants you to go. And I have lots of examples that I'm not going to give, but just, you know, through, through the college experience that I had, I didn't feel like I was doing enough because I was training for ministry, but what ministry was I doing? But that time was so valuable because I was 
learning about the scripture and learning about the word. And, you know, then I was married and we didn't have a kid. And so I was doing different things there and just the different ways that God has been working in my life. And I continue to still have struggles and still feel like I'm not doing enough. And I think the biggest thing is that you have to continually go back to scripture and say, look, this is what God says about me. This is what God says about what we should be doing and, and just prioritizing and making sure that, you know, you're killing the old self that you're making God the number one priority in your life. And Mm -hmm. you're walking through with him through the struggles and that you're truly, and this is something I've done too. You know, you pray every day. Like there was a time where Adam was looking for a new job and every day I pray, God, please help us, please work. And we expected God to work in one way. We expected God to just give Adam a job and it wouldn't be a big deal. And that's not how God decided to work. And so even back to prayer, like you can pray and you can think that you're giving things to God and you can expect God to work. But a lot of the time you may not be giving it to God as much as you think. And God will almost always work in a different way than what you're expecting. And it's the best way. And he ends up pointing you in the direction you should go. But sometimes that control aspect, at least for me, has always been a problem because I get in the way instead of just stepping back and saying, okay, God, just do what you're going to do in my life and transform me. I want to stick my my neck out there. And most of the time it doesn't work out very well. Mm -hmm. Robert, you had James, a hand? James 4, 8 through 10. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Here's verse 10. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. I think that's the biggest thing too. Like when we look at Old Testament heroes who didn't have the the luxury that we do of having the Holy spirit live in them. Like they were screwed up and messed up just like we are and maybe worse because they didn't have God dwelling in them, but God still used them when they humbled themselves. Like David is a perfect example. David was so messed up and made so many mistakes that God, he would continually repent of his sins and go back and God still used him for his purposes. And I think mm-hmm. that's, that's super encouraging in that. Yeah. And this is this is difficult to because this is totally against everything you're told. You're you're told to go work your butt off and um you know chase what you want and at all costs and and that's you know that's what affects your life. Like that's you have to you you work for things for sure, but you have to realize that you are not in control of these things. Like um, our dad is a firefighter in Indianapolis and. For some reason, our he kept t- he told this story to us last week, which was pretty gory. But I'll give you the little summary. Uh, Don't this guy was give on the any details. I'm not. The guy was okay. on the interstate and driving his car, and there was a semi just parked off the road, off the road, like not even driving. Not it's just he was parked off the road, and whatever happened to this guy driving, whether he was looking at his phone or he had a health problem, he drove up underneath the semi and, ki- and killed himself. And my dad kept saying, you, you know, one second sooner, he'd still be alive. You know, half a second sooner, he'd still be alive. Half, half a second later, this guy would probably still be alive. Mm-hmm. So you, you have to realize, you know, this guy's like, I'm in control of my vehicle, you know, but it's the kind of the same just in life. Like you could die anytime and anything can happen to you at any time and you're just not in control of it. So you have to humble yourself before God and he'll exalt you, as it says in James. Yeah. I'm kind of with Cecilia, like that's something I struggled with last semester was this idea of not being in control because my entire life I've been able to rely on my own abilities through a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And, and if I couldn't rely on my own abilities, 
I just didn't do it. So like if I wasn't the best at something, if I wasn't just naturally good at something, I probably just didn't partake in that activity because I didn't want to not be able to do things on my own. And so we're making it sound kind of horrible, but also kind of easy at the same time. And I would say that like for all of us, this has been like years and years of trying to learn how to trust God. And it's really not been until I reached a point of realizing I couldn't do it on my own that I was like, oh shoot, like this is where God comes in. And so I would almost say like too, a good challenge is a lot of time God, a lot of times God calls us out of our comfort zone because that's when we have to rely on him. So if you, if you're being called out of your comfort zone, take that leap of faith, like, like Peter on the water, take that leap of faith um, and trust God through it. Because like we see that Peter trusted God, right? When he went off on the water, but then as soon as he kind of realized that the wind was coming and the water was a little rough, he, he started to not trust God um, and he started to fall. But then once he started to fall, then he reached out for God again. Right. Um, and so I would just say, take that leap of faith into what's uncomfortable. And then if things do start to get shaky or hard or whatever, don't, don't just think that God's abandoned you. Um, continue to rely on him. And yeah, Silly, go ahead. Or Robert. Well, I just, are you serious? Hold on. I've been raising my hand for 20 minutes. And Abigail this has goes, exactly go, ahead, go with hers, though. But, but the thing mine is, too. is that, well, I'm going to say mine first. <laughs> but it's funny because she called on you, but I've been raising my hand for five minutes. Because she likes me better. Anyway, <laughs> I think God, I think that's where, like, we need to embrace those hard times because God does the most transformation, at least in my experience in those hard times. And so like, even when I pray for growth, I find that there's hard things in my life. But if you, if you recognize what God's doing, and I've talked about this before, and then you go through, you walk through that hard time and then you look back and you go, wow, like look what God has been doing and how he's working. And, and I also just want to say, and then Robert, you can say whatever you want that, um, I think it's encouraging. Like it can be hard to walk opposite of the world and it can be hard to let go of control. But when people see the way that you're living your life and the way that you're putting God first and the way that you're, you know, striving really to follow scripture and to be more like Christ, like what a powerful example that is for other people. And just an encouraging thing because we are storing up our treasure in heaven and not here on earth. And so even if your life isn't what you think it should be, God's really, you're really storing up treasure for yourself in a better place. Robert. I called on you. Ridiculous! I know. This is, like, this, is, this is like popcorn. This is like now. This is like this is the point in the popcorn where the kid in the class just like says one letter or whatever, and then passes it on to the next person. You know what I'm talking about? Do you do popcorn in the classroom? Me? Yeah. No. Oh, good. I hated it. Anyways, for the past few, I don't know. After my whole head thing and all this stuff, I thought I was depending on God to work in my life. And I thought for sure I was, you know, I was in the word every day, all this stuff, but I was still pursuing my own interests and my trying to chase immediate satisfaction. And it didn't hit me until things got hard or things didn't go the way I wanted that I wasn't truly relying on faith in God. And so now the past month, two months or so, it's, it's been a great reawakening for me to the point where it's, I, I realized like, I was pursuing, trying to do things on my own. You know, I was saying it was God and that God was, you know, I was leaving everything to God, but I truly wasn't. And cause I, w- I was wanted things to go my way. And when things stopped going my way and it was like, Oh, now what? And then I got in this weird funk 
and now it's now it's I'm so encouraged every day because I realize that one there's only one thing necessary as I keep referencing out of Luke and I just how blessed I truly am because it, it's it's not about what happens on this earth to us it's it's about that reward we have in heaven and if you have that if you have that right in front of you you know it's it's so encouraging and you know life could be awful and you'd still be like Jesus yeah I like this Jesus man Matthew 21, this is, I don't know that I'm guilt talk. So this is after what we call Palm Sunday and Jesus comes in on the donkey and they're all chanting to him. And then he walks by this fig tree and it didn't have any figs on it, but it wasn't even like the season for figs. And it wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't. So yeah, I don't think, I think I said that somewhere no, else. Like it, it wasn't. wasn't. Yeah. No, yeah. And then he just like, he's like, no longer shall there be any fruit on you. And his disciples were amazed because the, the tree immediately withered. They're like, oh my goodness, what power does this man have? And Jesus answers him and says in verse 21 and 22, And Jesus answered and said to them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, it will happen. And all things you ask in prayer, believe and you will receive. Go ahead, Abigail. Um, sorry, I want to look up something really quick, but I guess... One thing that as you both were talking that I was thinking about is we're talking about um, taking control from our lives and giving it to God and then allowing God to work through us so that we reflect that to other people, right? Um, And one thing that I was reading through Matthew this week and I was reading like Jesus's model prayer for us and kind of like what Cecilia was saying but kind of coming to a realization of when we pray, let's stop praying for these good things to happen in our lives necessarily, which isn't wrong to pray about, but let's pray more that God would take whatever's going on and use it for his kingdom. And even like when you pray, when we end it with amen, we're saying, so be it. That's what amen means. So be it. God, so be it, whatever you want to do in my life. God, take, take my struggles and let them continue. If that's your will, so be it. And that's almost in itself. Every time you pray and you say amen, you're giving up control to God. Whether you realize you're doing it or not, by saying that, you are you are saying, God, so be your will. So be whatever you want to have happen in my life. And so I would just say, this has been a huge thing for me too, is let's stop praying for comfort and let's stop praying for the easy way out of something. And instead, why don't we start praying that God would call us into something uncomfortable or that God which Just strip from our lives, whatever is hindering us from being able to give up control and be able to say, and God, amen. So be it. So be your will be done in my life. Because I can guarantee that though it's going to probably be uncomfortable for us and though it will probably be hard for us, whatever God's will is, is going to be so much better. Maybe not right now to us from what the world's perspective is, but it will be so much better than us praying for comfort or us praying for safety or us praying that God would never challenge us or never make us change our way of life. Because maybe right now we think we're giving up control, but there's something blocking us from truly being able to give up control. And so, yeah, just, just when you say amen, when you, when you pray and you're saying, so be it, pray in a way that you're saying, God, take whatever it is in my life, even if I don't want to give up that control. You have to, you have to think is we're humans, we're fleshly. And since we're fleshly, you're going to do fleshly things. And one fleshly thing is you try to be in control. So this is something you have to pray for continually, not even necessarily for God to you know, make you uncomfortable, but it is uncomfortable to be, to, to be not control in control. So 
you have to pr- prayer daily. Like I pray daily now, like God, like empty me more of you, less of me. Because if, if I don't pray that, then it is going to be me pursuing my own interests over and over and over again. And, and we know that, you know, John sixteen thirty three, Jesus has overcome the world. And I'd rather be with King Jesus overcoming the world than I would be, um, I don't know, what is something I can pursue? You know, getting something, some immediate satisfaction from something I want in life instead of something that Jesus wants to happen in my life. Yeah. And I think once we start to do these things, kind of tying it back to what we were talking about in the beginning, because we like to get off track. Um, when we start to do these things, when we start to give up that control, then what is going on in your heart is going to start to show to the world. And not that that's, not that we're trying to put on a show or we're not doing it to gain the the approval of others, mm-hmm. but we're doing it because we're not called to just be a Christian on the inside. We're not called to just be a, a follower of Christ on the inside. We're called to be a follower of Christ to all those we, we interact with. And so once we start to give up that control, then the, then the Holy Spirit can really, truly start to transform our actions and change change the way that we we act in the world. Robert, go. After I got locked out of the building for a long time this morning, I came back and read Galatians. And Galatians 6, 8 and 9 says, For the one who sows to his own flesh will, will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit, which is what Abigail is talking about, will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us mm-hmm. not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. Yeah. So... If we sow from the spirit, like Abigail's talking about, there's eternity with Jesus. And that sounds darn good to me. Yeah. So let's do that this week. Um, be encouraged that, that you have a God who comforts you and who's on your side. And and pray that he would transform your heart and transform your pray, life. Pray. Pray. Be, be like God literally said. If you have faith and you ask, you can make a fig tree never produce fruit again. So. Yeah. So be of good fruit. Be of good harvest this week. And be encouraged in all that we've said because so you have a spirit. God who's on your side. So the spirit. Yep. And pursue and the, pursue cornerstone. the cornerstone. Oh, jeez, padlock. All you right. owe me a coke. We'll see you guys next week.